Hello, hello. This is David back again with another episode of the Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 101. Uh, Cheers to everybody for checking out episode 100. I hope you found that theme to be pretty interesting. Something different from me for a change. But I'm going to go back to the old random format for the next few episodes and then I'll probably do another themed one. Oh, maybe like five episodes down the road. I'm still kind of kicking around a few ideas there. So, But let's go ahead and jump right in. I'm very excited about this one. This band is from Toronto, Canada, and they existed initially from 83 to 93, and then they disbanded and they reformed in 2006, and they are still active now. That band is Sacrifice, and they are one of my favorite thrash bands ever. Um... I first became aware of them, uh, I've mentioned this several times on the podcast, but I, I, for Christmas one year, got the Metal Blade Records uh, 20th anniversary box set with all kinds of CDs and DVDs and big, you know, photo booklets and all kinds of stuff about uh, these these bands that were or are still currently on Metal Blade's uh, roster. Um, Sacrifice was one of them. Uh, There's a music video on this DVD that was in that box set. Uh, for the song Soldiers of Misfortune off of the album of that same name which came out in 91 I believe but great music video and an awesome song and it was the first I had ever heard of them and uh, it just prompted me to kind of dive further into their discography and I love it the first two records are much more raw uh, both in the production and the songwriting just the overall performances are a little looser kind of reminds me of really early Sodom Uh, material. Uh, Even the vocals too, he kind of has that raspy tone, but uh, those were great for what they were. Um, Soldiers of Misfortune really kind of marked a new era for them as far as having a a clearer production and just more mature songwriting, really well put together songs on that album, and then the album uh, Apocalypse Inside as well, um, just kind of built upon that foundation even further. And then they disbanded for reasons that are kind of unknown to me. Um, maybe it was just because of the emergence of grunge and such that they just kind of didn't uh, didn't really know their place anymore, and they just decided to dissolve it. But they reformed in 06 and released uh, an album called, I think it was called The Ones That I Condemn. I know that's a song on the record, but for whatever reason, um, I cannot remember <laughs> the name of the record itself. But... Um, but it's a great album, I can tell you that. The production was great, and uh, songwriting-wise, it, it is a perfect follow-up to the material from the early 90s. It sounds like there was no time uh, lost whatsoever. Um, but then they kind of fell silent again. They were doing some festival appearances and things like that. They didn't really tour, that I can recall, uh, in support of that record. They just kind of did some bigger shows, bigger fests, and things like that. And then they faded away again, so I would see the occasional post um from one of them you know talking about it's good to get together with the guys and rehearse again for the first time in months and stuff and i would get excited thinking oh they must be working on new material but then nothing would ever happen after that they would just kind of play a show here and there and and that was really it but uh, they finally released something new for the first time since 2009 so it has been 12 years um they just released a single and evidently it's from their upcoming album. They actually released a demo version of this song about eight months ago, 
but now this is kind of the finished recorded version so hopefully uh, this is a sign that a new album will be coming coming soon in the coming months but uh, no idea what the album is going to be called but this single came out on uh, September 13th so it's still pretty fresh so yeah hopefully this is a, a sign of things to come but it's a great song definitely picks up where the last album left off and it's just uh, absolutely still sounds like classic sacrifice so off of their uh, untitled new record whenever that may come out this is sacrifice with world war five but it's you know roman numeral so it's world war v and i think in the song he actually says world war v so um i'm just gonna go with that
All right, that was Sacrifice from Toronto with World War V. It's excellent, and I cannot wait for more Sacrifice. Um, I've been waiting a long time. <laughs> so we're going to stay in Canada here, but we're moving a little further east out of Montreal. This band has been around since 2013. The band is Spectral Wound, and um, I really was not very aware of this band. It wasn't until... Um, with Krigsgrov, we've been doing a lot more like social media activity leading up to the release of our most recent record, and uh, we're continuing that even after the record is out. But um, yeah, just trying to be more consistent, interacting with the fan base, and just kind of staying, staying active uh, on everyone's feed and asking poll questions and things like that. So uh, we had kind of put out there in one of our posts of, you know, uh, what albums, newer albums we've been listening to and enjoying. Um, we just did another one of those today, actually, funny enough. But uh, yes, our singer, Justin, uh, this was on his list of like newer stuff that he was enjoying. And uh, so I went ahead and checked it out and thought it was quite good. It's not something that I would listen to like all the time, but when you're in the mood for it, this is actually really good. It's a very just kind of cold and icy black metal that's very much in the Finnish style. Um, as I said, they're from Montreal, but this kind of has the vibe of, uh, you know, more recent uh, Sargeist records and things like that. So uh, it, it, to me, it, it definitely fits with that style. But um, the songs are great. The riffs are very kind of atmospheric. Uh, overall, the songs have a pretty high intensity. They're usually uh, kind of a higher mid-tempo uh, to fast, you know. Um, so yeah, the, the record itself is actually quite good from start to finish, uh, but there are some standout tracks on there, and I'm going to play one that is a favorite of mine right now. So the album is called A Diabolic Thirst. came out in April of this year. It's their third record, and that came out through Profound Lore. Um, but it's got a pretty memorable uh, album cover, too. There's really nothing fancy about it. It's just kind of a black-and-white photo. But, uh, yeah, something about it just kind of sticks with you, the image. I like it. Uh, so, yes, off of their third record, A Diabolic Thirst, this is Spectral Wound with Frigid and Spellbound.
That was Spectral Wound from Montreal, Canada with Frigid and Spellbound. Uh, just some really, really good atmospheric guitar work uh, on this whole album. It's really, really good. Um, okay, we're jumping to Poland here, one of my all-time favorite death metal bands and certainly my favorite from the Polish scene. Been around since 91. The band is Hate, and um, I love the way their sound has evolved over the years because it was really, really straightforward um, death metal in the early years, and then I, they really kind of honed their sound and, and improved their songwriting quite a bit uh, on the album Awakening of the Liar. Um, that one was really a turning point for them. Prior to that, they definitely had some kind of morbid angel, deicide, worship going on. Um, but yeah, Awakening of the Liar was kind of the turning point for them, uh, followed by Anaclasis, um, and they, the production got better and clearer. Uh, the drumming, you know, every time they've had a lineup change, it's almost always been for the better. The drumming has gotten exponentially better, uh, over the last, like, five records, uh, maybe even more than that, but um, they always just have quality players now because they're kind of having to keep pace with the rest of the Polish scene as well, you know, between Vader and Behemoth and Decapitated and bands like that, you know, you kind of have to maintain that intensity uh, that those bands have in order to, you know, stand out from the crowd. Um, but they have taken their metal in a darker territory in the last few records, um, Really, ever since uh, Arebos from, God, what year did that even come out now? I can't even remember. But um, from that album onward, they've kind of taken it into more of a blackened death metal territory. It's still very much death metal, more so than anything else, but they just kind of have some darker uh, guitar parts and, uh, and you know, just some, some more dissonant riffs here and there. And um, not to mention that they've really fully embraced the uh, corpse-painted look these days, which they didn't always. But, um, yeah, they've, they've put out some real quality stuff for the last handful of records, um, really from, from probably Morphosis onwards. Uh, they've been on a steady upward trajectory. Um, the last two have been good, but I find myself not going back to them quite as much as uh, some of the others from the you know kind of mid 2000s and late 2000s um but this new one i'm excited about because of their drummer they have a new drummer in the band uh, this guy daniel he's very young but he's super talented he actually filled in on a tour for them and then uh, whenever their previous drummer uh, formally you know quit uh they just it was just kind of a natural fit he had already gone on tour with them and they liked him and uh, got along well, so they made him the new permanent drummer, this guy Daniel. So he has a ton of drum cam videos out there on YouTube as well of him when he was super young, just doing covers of Decapitated and Behemoth and Dying Fetus and all these other just crazy drum covers that he's done. Um, but now he's still doing a lot of drum cam videos of uh, hate material now that he's in the band. But uh, yes, so this new album is going to be the first one with him on drums, and I'm pretty excited to hear it. Um, the album, I actually did not look up how to pronounce this, so I might be pronouncing this wrong, but I'm just pronouncing it Rugia, uh, because it's R-U-G-Y-A, or R-U-G-I-A, excuse me, Rugia. But the G might be pronounced differently, I'm not even sure. I meant to double check that before recording, but alas, I did not. Um, but yes, it's going to be their 12th record overall. It's coming out on October 15th through Metal Blade Records. They've been signed to Metal Blade for their last couple, and, uh, and they deserve it. They deserve it for sure. Um, 
But yeah, I think they've got some tours planned coming up towards the end of this year, maybe, or the beginning of next year. I want to say it's the end of this year. So I'm sure they're chomping at the bit to get uh, out on the road to support this new record. But they've released two singles now, but I'm going to play the first one, which happens to be the title track. But uh, it's a pretty epic tune. The drumming is a little, you know, kind of understated. He does do some more uh, intense stuff later on in the song, but it definitely kind of starts off a little more kind of slow, mid-tempo, just kind of building an atmosphere, and then it kind of uh, expands from there. So off of their 12th record, Rugia, this is Hate with... Rugia.
there we have it. That was Hate from Poland with Rugia. Or, you know, whatever it is, if I'm pronouncing it way wrong. But yes, they just released the uh, second single off of that record just this past week. And uh, I think there's a music video to accompany that. But that one's really good as well. Um, yeah, I'm, ex I'm excited for this. They, don't, they never disappoint. They're like a fine wine. They just kind of keep putting out quality stuff. All right. We are jumping to Athens, Greece here. This band has been around since 89. I believe they only have one original member left. Uh, another original member who had been in the band for a really long time uh, passed away. Um, in recent years, I can't remember the exact year, but the band is Necromantia. And I don't like them that much it's uh it's one of those things where they're kind of considered legends just because they've been around so long and the fact that they came from greece which i mean the, the greeks love their metal for sure but as far as big name extreme metal bands from greece there just weren't that many obviously rotting christ uh, comes to mind but this was one of the other ones one of the other legendary acts from back in the day but I just never really got into them that much, but um, I, I wanted to play it because it's not just about, you know, me playing stuff that I like. I want to kind of explore bands that are important, you know? So I'm going to play something off of their second album. They have five records. Um, I want to say there was a pretty good hiatus there where they weren't releasing much and then they resumed again. So that's why, I mean, they've been around since 89, only have five albums. But I'm playing something off of the second album from 1995 called Scarlet Evil Witching Black, which came out through Osmos Productions. And truly, this band does fit with Osmos to me, like just everything, aesthetically, musically. Uh, that seems like a really good match between band and label for sure. But um, but yeah, this one is is considered to be one of their uh, their better records. It just doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's not bad, but... Um, I guess it's just one of those things where, like I said, considering where they're from at that time frame, there probably wasn't a whole lot of really quality, you know, kind of black metal stuff coming out of Greece at that time, apart from them and Rotting Christ. I'm sure I'm leaving out some important one that uh, people are going to yell at me about. But, uh, but yes, here we go. It may, might not be my cup of tea, but who knows? Maybe it's yours. So off of their second album, Scarlet Evil Witching Black, this is Necromantia with Scarlet Witching Dreams. <laughs>
was Necromantia from Greece with Scarlet Witching Dreams. Like I said, not bad. Not bad. It's just, you know, it's not my favorite thing in the world. Um, all right. We're going to the UK here out of Gloucestershire. This band existed from 81 to 86, and uh, they put out three records in 83, 84, and 85. They were pretty busy in that stretch. Um, the band is called Chateau, and I'm going to play something off of their debut, which I still consider to be their best. The debut is called Chained and Desperate, and that came out in 83, as I said, through Ebony Records. And uh, what made this unique was that the singer on this debut was uh, Steve Grimmett, the singer from uh, Grim Reaper, who I enjoy very much, and he's an excellent singer. And uh, I had heard that he sang for this band, but I, I really took a long time before actually checking the band out. <laughs> I don't know why, it's just kind of something I never got around to, but um, if you've heard older episodes of the podcast, you know that I like to pepper in some kind of more classic metal stuff here and there. Uh, I don't just keep it all the way extreme metal all the time. Sometimes you'll get some kind of 70s sound and stuff and new wave of British heavy metal stuff. So uh, I've actually got a couple of those on this episode and this is the first. But the singing, of course, is outstanding. On the next two records, uh, I can't remember if it was the guitar player or the bass player kind of you know shuffled over to doing like bass and vocals. Uh, so he took over vocal duties and was good. Very, very good singer. Uh, but not not as good as Steve Grimmett, you know. Uh, so the second and third records were fine, but uh, this debut is really uh, something special to me. So off of the debut album Chained and Desperate, this is Chateau with Straight to the Heart. <laughs>
Right. That was Chateau from the UK with Straight to the Heart. Ah, such good vocals. Steve Grimmett was, you know, an interesting looking fellow, but man, he had some range, some range on him and still does. Um, it's pretty crazy, you know, his his life in recent years where he, uh, I've mentioned it before, he, uh, you know, had he was on tour because he still has Grim Reaper going, but it's like he has to call it Steve Grimmett's Grim Reaper because of just legal issues. He's still on good terms with the former bandmates, but they just kind of agree that he would uh, have a different, slightly different name for the band. Um, so they're still putting out albums. Uh, they've put out a couple in the last uh, maybe seven years or so. They've put out two records. But yeah, they were on tour in South America, and he somehow or another got a cut on his foot that got infected, and didn't take care of it quick enough and they ended up taking his foot first I think but then the infection was still kind of spreading so they had to amputate his leg from the knee down um, so yeah he was kind of in a wheelchair for a bit there and did a couple of gigs uh, from a wheelchair but then he was able to get himself a prosthetic so now he performs with the prosthetic on and has a cane I believe so he could still kind of just steady himself and walk around on stage and sing so he's still doing it you know one leg or not he's still up there doing his thing um but yes if you have not checked out chateau that record all three of them are, are pretty good but that debut chained and desperate uh it's a great one so we're going back to canada i can't think of an episode where i have gone to canada this frequently but uh we're going to vancouver going way out west this time this band existed from 94 to 07 and that band is Strapping Young Lad. And Strapping Young Lad I have I have a bit of a history with because I, ne I never liked the debut. I never liked City, the second album. Um, the self-titled record was pretty good. Um, I do remember seeing the music video for, I believe the song was Relentless, um, back on that show. I've mentioned it before on uh, the podcast. I used to watch kind of the later equivalent of Headbangers Ball. Headbangers Ball was gone, but on VH1, there was a show in the, I guess, probably late 90s um, called The Rock Show, and it was uh, hosted by Scott Ian from Anthrax, but it was the same concept. All they did was play metal videos and stuff, and he would just kind of talk about the band a little bit and introduce the video, and they'd play it. But uh, they played the music video for Relentless uh, fairly often for, for a little while there. And I really liked it. And then um, when Alien came out, I thought Alien was pretty awesome. And um, I actually ended up seeing them live on the Sounds of the Underground tour back in 2000. Uh, it had to have been 2004. Maybe it was 2005. But Cannibal Corpse was on it, and Guar was on it, and Strapping Young Lad, and Opeth, and a bunch of others. Uh, I think Lamb of God was on it as well. But uh, it was crazy hot that day, and it was an all-day outdoor, you know, fest. Just <laughs> blistering heat out in the sun, and it was pretty rough. We had some bad weather roll in, so we had to go under this kind of covered area for a while until it passed, the lightning passed and all that, and then they allowed everything to resume. But in the middle of the day, when it was super hot and sunny outside, I saw Strapping Young Lad, and Devin Townsend was just a lunatic as far as uh, his banter back and forth with the crowd because he was just straight up like 
you could tell he had a big smile on his face you can tell he's just kidding but man he was like really tearing into some people out in the crowd about the way they looked and stuff like that and uh, the stuff he would say was just crazy but um but they put on a really good show and uh but yeah that was like right around the time when alien had just come out uh so you kept seeing the music video for the song love uh, a lot and um yeah it's an album that i liked a lot at the time and then i just kind of forgot about um i did not like their last album the new black and then they disbanded but uh, really what brought me back to this was that i was listening i didn't even know it existed until a few weeks ago and i've just blown through all of the episodes of devin townsend's podcast um it's not an ongoing podcast but he just did kind of a series of podcasts explaining um, different albums of his, whether it's solo stuff, the Devin Townsend Band, the Devin Townsend Project, um, his Ziltoid album that he did, and all the Strapping Young Lad records too, where he just talks about his inspiration, his mindset at the time, the studio experience at the time. But um, listening to those podcasts was just really inspiring and really prompted me to go back and listen. I knew I didn't like the first two records, and I knew I didn't like the last record. So I listened to the self-titled one and still liked it, you know, a fair amount. But uh, Alien is just the one to me that is the best Strapping Young Lad record from start to finish. There's such good stuff on there. And I'm going to play something off of that. That came out in March of 2005 through Century Media, and that was their fourth one out of five. And I'm going to play the song Skexis, which is the second track on the record. But the reason I picked this one is because A, it's just an awesome song. And B, um, there's a video on YouTube of Gene Hoagland. It's actually from one of his DVDs of him performing the drums to that song. And there's just so much nuance. Like, there's a ton of repetition, but he just changes little things here and there. Like, what cymbal he's hitting. And he changes what he's doing with the pattern with his kick drum and stuff. While his hands are still maintaining the same pattern that he's been doing for the last two minutes, you know. But these subtle changes, these little nuances in the drum track is... Uh, just makes the whole song i mean it's it's excellent um so yeah i just have a whole new appreciation for this track so here we go off of 2005's alien this is strapping young lad with skexis
Alright, that was Strapping Young Lad with Skeksis. Really, really unique song, really unique album. I mean, it's just that perfect blend of that kind of mechanical, almost industrial, abrasive sound with kind of thrashy metal elements. And of course, Devin Townsend's vocals, the man can just use a dozen different voices. He can sing anything. I actually did not realize until listening through his podcast um, that he kind of got his big break, so to speak, um, singing for Steve Vai when he was like 19 or 20 or something like that. He sang on Vai's 93 album called Sex and Religion. I've never been a big Steve Vai fan, um, and I'm just not quite old enough to have, you know, appreciated that album when it came out. I was six years old when that album came out, so I, I really, uh, it wasn't even in my my consciousness at the time. But yeah, I had no idea that he sang with Steve Vai until hearing those podcasts. But um, to this day, Steve Vai, whenever he's asked, like, you know, any musician living or dead that he would want to work with, uh, he still says Devin Townsend, even though he already worked with Devin Townsend, he says that he's such a special special character and such a brilliant mind and everything that he would just love to work with him again someday. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, we're going to the USA here out of Minnesota, I want to say, but I think they might have at least one member from Colorado, so I'm not really sure how that works. Uh, it's a three-piece band that's been around since 2013 called Suffering Hour. Uh, I first heard of them in 2019, um, whenever Giant of the Mountain was doing a uh, brief tour just kind of up and down the Midwest and we played in Minneapolis and it was an excellent show that was probably one of our favorite shows of the whole uh, little tour there but um, but yeah I think Suffering Hour was uh, either about to play or had recently played there I think it was and they were on the flyer and uh, just some of the people that were at the show were telling me about them and how how good they thought they were so yeah, I uh, checked them out after that and uh, really liked what I heard. They actually just put out a new album this year. I'm going to play something off of that. But they play death metal and it's kind of a more dissonant um, form of death metal and it's just kind of, it's right up my alley. Anybody that knows me and the kind of death metal I like, um, yeah, this is, this is right up my alley for sure. But the new album is called The Cyclic Reckoning. And uh, I didn't know cyclic was a word. I would have said cyclical, but I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's a word. But that came out in February of this year. It's their second album, and that came out through uh, Profound Lore. But yes, it is an excellent record, and uh, anyone who's kind of into that same kind of more primitive-sounding, very dissonant-sounding uh, death metal which I guess they, people seem to lump it all into that old-school death metal, um, you know, genre, sub-genre. But if you're a fan of that, then you will likely be a fan of this. So off of the Cyclic Reckoning, or Cyclic, Cyclic? I don't know. This is Suffering Hour with Strongholds of Awakening. Thank you. 
we go. That was Suffering Hour from Minnesota with Strongholds of Awakening. Really, really excellent guitar work on that record. Um, they found their sound, and they're doing it really well. Uh, all right, we're going to Bergen, Norway here. This band's been around since 92. They're kind of hard to classify. They're not really a death metal band. They're not really a black metal band per se, although the vocals kind of have that sound. They're not a folk metal band either, although they definitely weave in some of those melodies sometimes. Um, they utilize clean vocals from time to time. They've performed with chainmail on, but they're not like cheesy Winter Sun and Sephirum. It's not that at all. They're definitely more abrasive. The band is Helheim, and they definitely just kind of stand on their own to me. Um, they have put out some excellent stuff over the years. Uh, they're up to 11 albums now. Uh, their 11th one is actually about to come out on October 29th of this year. And um, through Dark Essence Records, but they just released a single off of their upcoming album recently. And it's good. It's not their best song I've ever heard or anything like that, but it is good. It's solid. Um, members of Helheim have been live for, you know, Taka. Um, that's, you know, I, I, kind of on and off, I guess. You'll see some members from that band uh, performing live with Taka. But, um, but yeah, Helhe Helheim is just one of those always solid, dependable bands that it's always, it's always going to be good. It's always going to be good. So, yes, they released this single, oh, I want to say a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. Um... But it's pretty good. So off of their upcoming 11th album, this is Helheim with Forang Forfienda.
was Helheim with Forang Forfiende. Um, it's a really good song, and as I said, they're just one of those bands that's always extremely consistent, and uh, I look forward to hearing the rest of this record whenever it comes out, which is uh, at the end of October. All right, we're jumping back to the UK here, this time out of Wolverhampton. Um, it's another kind of British, new wave of British heavy metal band. I've played them once before on one of the themed episodes where I was playing pretty much nothing but uh, like new wave of British heavy metal stuff. Um, this band's been around uh, from 79 to 1990, and then they were disbanded for a bit. They reformed in 2001, and they're still going strong right now. That band is Cloven Hoof. And they are excellent. They're one that I really don't hear talked about enough, in my opinion. Um, the first three records are are excellent. Uh, it's, there's the self-titled Cloven Hoof album from 84, and then Dominator and uh, A Sultan's Ransom from 89 is a particularly good one. That one's probably still my favorite. Um, but yeah, they've put out some great albums since they've reformed as well, obviously with much better, punchier, you know, crystal clear modern production and everything like that. Uh, they've put out, oh, five albums, I think, since 2001 when they reformed. Uh, they actually just put out one in 2020 that I was not even aware of at all, so I need to um, go back and listen to that. I actually just discovered that while I was making some notes for this episode, so I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Uh, I'm going to play something, you know, I, I played something off of A Sultan's Ransom uh, in the previous, um, the previous time that I played them on the show. So now I'm going to play something from kind of the second era whenever they reformed. So I'm going to play something off of their first album when they reformed. Um, as I said, they, they reformed in 2001, but it took them all the way up until 2006 to actually release a record. That album's called Eye of the Sun, came out in June of 06. That's their fourth album out of uh, eight they have total now. But uh, there's only one original member left, but doesn't really matter they, they still have maintained that new wave of British heavy metal sound really well um, they they still sound like cloven hoof to me so uh, but this album as I said came out in June of 06 through escape music so here we go off of 2006 eye of the sun this is cloven hoof with Golgotha Thou forsaken me, down all this ass in your name. Why must my path lead to Calvary? How could my death be in vain?
father my time has come holy ghost now receive your son That was Cloven Hoof from the UK with Golgotha. Really excellent stuff, and they've pretty much carried on in that style with all of their newer records. It's maybe less new wave of British heavy metal and more just kind of straightforward, just traditional metal, kind of Judas Priest-ish, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good, and I definitely need to check out their most recent one. I think it's called Age of Steel. But, uh, all right, let's move on here. We're jumping to Sweden now, and this is a very highly anticipated return for this band. It's been around since 91. The band is Hypocrisy, and I love Hypocrisy. I've played them a few times now on the show over the last few years. But they are finally coming out with a new album. It's their first one in eight years. The record's going to be called Worship and it's coming out on uh, November 26th, so we still got a little ways to go. It's their 14th album overall, and as I said, their first one since 2013, and um, I think that was End of Disclosure was the name of that record, which was also a great record. But um, this one's coming out through Nuclear Blast, of course, and they finally released a single and a music video uh, for this album. Even the album cover looks kind of vintage hypocrisy. And when I say vintage, I mean, I guess, more of their kind of middle period, I guess, when it comes to the logo and things like that. Uh, just the overall look of it. It looks like something that would have come out, you know, around 99 to 2003-ish, you know, around that time frame. But um, this new tune is great. Definitely still sounds like the hypocrisy that we know and love. His vocals, he's actually going for a little bit of a different delivery um it to me it's deeper and it's more reminiscent of like the early hypocrisy records i've, I've heard some people say that they're they're not really digging the new vocal style but um i i don't mind it at all he still sounds like peter to me he's just doing it a little different on this tune but um yeah i'm just excited that they're back you know so as i said this new album worship coming out november 26 so here we go this is the first single off of it this is hypocrisy with chemical whore
right, that was Hypocrisy with Chemical Horror. Very excited. It's just that typical mid-tempo, very big-sounding hypocrisy, and uh, I love it. I can't wait. All right, this next one is something of an international band, I guess. There's some members from Sweden and uh, at least one member from Iceland. They've been around since 2012, which I actually didn't realize they'd been around that long. Um, it features members of Merciless and members of General Surgery. Uh, the band is called Under the Church, and they have put out a couple of records now. I'm going to play something off of the debut. Um, I like the debut because it has a little bit more of a raw production, and it just kind of suits their sound a bit better. Uh, the second album has a little bit more of a clear production, and it just doesn't sound right with their music. I don't know. It just didn't work for me, the most recent one. But I'm going to play something off of the debut called Rapid Armageddon that came out in 2015 through Pulverized Records. And it's basically, for the most part, it fits in with the kind of Stockholm Swedish death metal style. Of course, as I said, there are Swedish members in this band that come from Swedish death metal bands. <laughs> so it's only natural that they kind of have that sound. But um, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more varied I guess um, but it's still very much you know kind of rooted in that style but uh, but they do a good job of it and again I think the production on this debut is uh, is something that definitely uh, is to the benefit of the material so here we go off of the debut album Rapid Armageddon this is Under the Church with Suspended in Gore
go that was under the church with suspended in gore um yeah i dig it it's it's definitely a little more like i said it's more varied with the tempos and the drum patterns and things like that um it's good stuff it's not quite you know uh top tier when it comes to that style but it's still uh good stuff for what it is all right we're gonna stay in sweden here at least i believe they're swedish I might have to double check that. I wrote down Sweden, but to my knowledge, I thought they were from Denmark or something, but I guess I'm wrong. Uh, anyways, been around since 91. This band is called Tad Morose, and they kind of get lumped into like a power metal genre, but they are not that at all. It's more kind of traditional metal, um, maybe in the same vein as like a, a Primal Fear or something like that. But... Um, but yeah, I was kind of into them in the same way as like Iced Earth and Blind Guardian. Um, you know, Angel Dust was another one uh, that kind of all had that same style. But there's really only one album of theirs. Like they've released nine albums now. Um, I'm playing something off of their sixth record called Modus Vivendi. And that came out in 2003 through Century Media. And this was one that uh, I know I've mentioned before that... I used to go to the Century Media website and they would have like this little um, media player off to one side on the home page there and it just had singles from bands on their roster. Usually it was whatever the most recent single is, you know, for, or for an upcoming album or something like that. So they had the song Anubis off of this album um, by Tad Moroz. 
and it was a great song and just the vocals really struck me really strong vocals and uh, the vocalist's name is urban breed and he actually left after this album and there was a long hiatus because they just weren't finding a suitable replacement for him um he still does a few little projects but he hasn't released anything in years i really don't know if he still sings much but he was definitely the standout member of this band and um this album in particular their earlier records are still good but this album everything just kind of came together perfectly with the songwriting really memorable um great production and just outstanding vocals but uh, the song Anubis is the one that gets the most kind of airplay, but this song to me that I'm about to play is my favorite Tad Moreau's song ever. Um, but as I said, they did finally find a new vocalist and kind of uh, relaunched the band after a long hiatus, and they've now put out three records. And the new singer sounds... Um, he's pretty good. He has a little bit of a Ripper Owens vibe to him, though, and that kind of bothers me a little bit. I've never been a, a big Ripper Owens guy and he has a little touch of that tone to his voice but he's a he's an exceptional singer that's for sure he's got great range but uh, it's just good to to have them back active releasing records um but yeah this one is is definitely the cream of the crop for me so off of 2003's modus vivendi this is tad morose with life in a lonely grave
All right, that was Tad Morose with Life in a Lonely Grave. Just such a catchy chorus and excellent vocals. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know if you recall the French black metal band Anorexia Nervosa, but whenever their singer quit, they searched and searched for a new vocalist and, and nobody, in their opinion, was uh, was as good as the original guy, so they just put the whole band to rest <laughs> they just couldn't find a suitable replacement so they said you know what let's just be done and that's kind of what tad morose did for uh, a number of years before they finally revived it um but yeah they're kind of like another comp for them would probably be jag panzer is another one that i left off that i think is a pretty good comparison to them uh, all right we're jumping to the uk here this band's been around since 2010 and they just do some straightforward ballsy black metal and they do a good job of it uh they're one that i had heard of and seen the logo plenty of times but i just kind of took my sweet time uh checking them out uh, but i finally checked out their most recent record and i like it a lot i haven't checked out the first two i've just kind of dove into this one and liked it so i need to go back and listen to the second album and the debut as well the band is called the infernal sea and uh, as I said, their third album is called Negodium Crucis, and that came out uh, September of last year through Apocalyptic Witchcraft Records. But yeah, it's, uh, it's really not full of a bunch of bells and whistles or anything. It's just pretty straightforward black metal with a pretty, pretty uh, thick production, and it's aggressive, and they just do a good job of it. So it's one of those things that... I'm not going to be uh, screaming from the rooftops about how amazing this is, but it's just when you're in the mood for good black metal, it definitely uh, can hit the spot. So, Off of their third record, Negotium Crucis, this is the Infernal Sea with Befallen Order.
Alright, there we have it. That was the Infernal Sea from the UK with Befallen Order. Like I said, it's just straightforward, very guitar and riff driven, but it's got a real thick production and it's good. I mean, it's solid stuff. Uh, Alright, it is that time to announce the final song of the episode. Cody Daniels, if you're listening to this, now is the time for you to turn this shit off because I'm going to be finishing with some Iron Maiden, and I know that is your kryptonite, so you can just check out right now, buddy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, first I want to thank everybody for listening. Of course, thanks for telling other people about the podcast. Uh, If you want to tell someone where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com or on the free Podbean app or on Spotify as well. So find it and follow it on Spotify. Um, if you have any sort of questions or recommendations, requests, you know, things like that, you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of updates or news or poll questions for you, the listeners, uh, it's all going to be posted there. So be sure to find and like the Facebook page. Um... Yeah, I hope you enjoyed episode 100, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I've already got all my bands and songs picked for episode 102. As I said at the beginning of the show, I'm probably going to do maybe four four episodes, just normal episodes here before I dive back into uh, a theme of some sort, maybe by episode 105 or so. But yes, as I mentioned, I'm going to be playing some Iron Maiden here. Uh, They've been around since 75, if you can believe that. And they just put out their 17th record this month. Um, I don't, I'm not counting all the live albums and stuff like that. There's 50 million compilations and greatest hits and live albums and all that. But just talking purely new material, full-length albums, this is their 17th record and uh, their first one since uh, 2015, The Book of Souls, which got kind of mixed reviews. It was way too long. Um, the good songs on it were very good. And then there was a lot of mediocre stuff on there. And that's exactly what this new one is like as well. It's yet another double album. It's too long. The good ones on it are very good. And then there's just some stuff on there. Um, the problem to me is they have, they've utilized the same producers since they reunited with Bruce and Adrian. Since Brave New World, um, the producer Kevin Shirley... I'm sure he's a fine producer, but um, I I can guarantee the reason they keep using him is because he just lets them do whatever they want to do. They need a producer that's going to challenge them and force them to kind of trim the fat from some of their songs and make them into tighter, catchier songs because they're just... The songs are just meandering around these days and um, they just really need some direction. But at this stage in their career, I don't think they're really looking for radio play and stuff like that. They've already done all that and have a very established and loyal fan base. And I think they're just, in their old age, they're just playing whatever they feel like playing and trust that people are going to like it. So I don't expect them to change anytime soon. But, um, but yes, this new album is called Senjutsu, and that came out on September 3rd of this year through Parlophone Records. And... Um, Great cover art. I mean, they did a good job um, promotion-wise, like leading up to this to kind of uh, generate some buzz. Uh, they released that single, The Writing on the Wall, which I actually really liked. It had a little bit of a bluesy southern rock tone to it, but still sounded like Iron Maiden. Um, but this one, 
really struck me this tune I'm about to play because it's it's so happy it's so upbeat early on and then there's this section in the middle where they just introduce this guitar melody that is very vintage maiden and Bruce sounds excellent on this tune it doesn't overstay its welcome there are three songs at the end of this record that are each over 10 minutes long and it's just a really it's a beating of a way to end an album with three epic songs like that because when you have that many long songs on a record they become less special like having one epic tune at, at the end of a record or something uh, is, is exciting it's special but when you just have a double album chock full of these 10 minute songs uh, they just aren't as special but uh, this one don't worry this is not one of those 10 minute tunes but um but yeah i like this one a lot because there's some good twists and turns in there and as i said bruce just like carries the whole thing and um but yeah that guitar part in the middle just really has some good uh, vintage maiden vibes to it so so yes i'm gonna finish strong here so off of senjutsu their 17th record this is iron maiden with the time machine cheers with 